Hello friends! It's raining pretty hard. Can you hear that? <laughs> I think I just said too in the last podcast that it rains a lot here. Almost like a rainforest. Oh, there you go. Um, but we'll do this anyway. Um, okay, so we just got to a really exciting part actually. And you would not know it if you just look at this upcoming list of... Um, Noah's Descendants. It's a big intimidating list of a bunch of crazy names that are just so foreign to us. They are ancient Hebrew names. What? How can that be exciting? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so um, we're in chapter 9 of Genesis and we just got off the Ark. Um, and the Ark, in a lot of ways, is... Um, represents humanity, the incubator of humanity, volume two, right? So, uh, 2.0. We're at, uh, Genesis nine, verse 18. So we just had the covenant given to us. We've, we've agreed to this two way covenant, which means you do this and I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. So God says this over and over and over again. If you follow my ways, then you will be my treasured possession. You will be my people. Um, he says that beginning to end, uh, right through to Revelation. It's never a one-way street. It's always a relationship, right? Um, we have a part to play. He has a part to play. So um, if the Ark represents... Uh, and it has all of the living creatures represented on it. And now the ark has been opened and, and everybody and the new life flies forward out of the ark. Yay, we're free. Then Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, represent the new humanity as it's been percolating inside the ark, developing inside the ark. And... Remember, these names are worthy of the Bible. They're not just the name of my dog. <laughs> they're the, they're, they represent so much more. So these are three different types, ways, mentalities of being in the world that we see through Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then they are going to go on to create the rest of the world. So here we go. Um, just so you know, um, there's different, um, uh, what do I want to say, um, dictionaries, Hebrew dictionaries out there, uh, Jones and Strong's, I use uh, Abrams, um, it just, the way it's laid out is a lot less technical and a lot more interesting to me, so um, uh, it's spelled A-B-A-R-I-M. Abarim is probably how you say that. Abarim Publications. And it has just really fun and easy ways to understand, but very deep concepts. And they show you exactly how they um, find this etymology of the words, how, how they, they make their decisions for what they want to put in the dictionary of what these different names mean. Um, and... Uh, Strong's is just a little dry. <laughs> it's very dry and technical. Um, maybe if I knew a lot more Hebrew, it would be more interesting, but um, 
just at my very rudimental level of knowing how to read the alphabet in a few words, like it's not that, it, this is just more helpful. So anyways, if, if you're interested in the rabbit hole, uh, nerd rabbit hole of Hebrew, uh, check it out. So, um, Genesis 18. The sons of Noah. So Noah represents this new humanity under a new covenant, right? Each covenant builds on the last. So this is this this is the second volume of the covenant after Adam. Um, who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. So um Ham is actually responsible uh, for a lot of uh, the, the interesting things that we'll see in these stories. Ham is sort of the most primitive, maybe the youngest. Um, his descendants go south um, towards Africa. Cush, which is um, what northern Africans kind of called themselves. It means dark, which is just for their skin. Uh, Egypt, Canaan, uh, Nimrod, Nineveh, Philistines, uh, Gaza, all of these will come through Ham. So those, the people that Ham makes will make all of those. The Egyptians, uh, the Cushites, the Canaanites, Nineveh, remember from Jonah, uh, the Philistines, Gaza, we're still fighting them today right now. <laughs> um, it's not really funny, but um, just ironic, I guess. Uh, it'll Ham will be responsible for the root of Babel and Babylon, um, and and the mindset here of Ham is it's very um, completely selfish, self-centered, self-serving. Uh, socially, their their organization would be something like a primitive chiefdom. Economically. The Hamite mind seeks personal gain with very little scruples about theft or deceit. Just if I got what I wanted, I won, it's good. That I achieved the goal. I don't need to think about anyone else in this um, situation, which is exactly what we get from the Pharaoh in Egypt later. Not, not at first, but later. Um, Japheth, his... Okay, so let's go back to the Bible then. So Ham was the father of Canaan. And Canaan really is, that is an area that represents synchronicity. So it's a big trading center, right? People and ideas and goods come into Canaan from all directions, mingle, exchange, trade, and, and take those goods and ideas out away from Canaan. So it's a really good place for God to use as a um, way to get his message out, but it's gotta be untangled a lot from a lot of other things. <laughs> um, these three were the sons of Noah. And from these, the whole earth was peopled. Noah. Okay, so let's stop there before we go any farther, actually. Um, so that's Ham. Japheth. Japheth. Japheth's people, we'll, we'll get to this, but Japheth's people will fill the coastlands and spread from there. Um, it'll say uh, a few lines down from these coastland peoples spread these are the descendants of Japheth in their lands in their own 
with their own language, by their families, in their nations. So these are mindsets of people, right? That, um, so you have, they, they will fill Eurasia, Greece, Persia. So um, their mindset is a little more mature than the Hamite mindset. They understand that other people uh, do exist and have ideas that might even be better than theirs. So they're willing to reach out to teachers or experts. Um, they have an oligarchy type uh, government style, which is the, the wealthy are the rulers and democracy. So um, the less wealthy get a say in this. Um, so you might see like multilateral or national companies, um, like uh, international companies might come from these. Um, and it's, it's, think of it as like a comic book mindset. We're good guys, they're the bad guys. Um, but we do recognize that there's different people and they might be useful to us. So, so that's uh, very Greek, I think. Um, but I, I think I live in this JFAD mindset a lot of the time, which is different than, let's, let's just take it up one notch to Shem. And from Shem, we're going to get uh, Abraham. And then, of course, eventually Jesus. So, so it's important that we remember uh, who Shem is. And Shem, uh, his people are going to become... The Shemites, the Semites, the Jews, the um, the people who see the world from above and can kind of deduce understanding from it, and they live by this place of absolute relativity. So the world. Let me just read this here. The Shemite mentality, on the contrary, rises wholly above the self and views the world in absolute terms. That means not relative to the self. To the Shemite, only natural law and verifiable knowledge of creation are important, uh, and that not for the glory or reward, personal gain or even personal preservation, but in order to be a perfect steward of creation and thus the creator. So, they never lose the plot. The Shemite never loses the plot that we are made in the image of God to be his representatives on earth, a priest of holy, uh, a, a kingdom of royal priests who are to go out and represent God in the world and try to bring disciples, make disciples of them by trying to get people to see that there is a bigger, better way than just yourself in your world, which I think at the moment in our world, we're seeing the, the crisis that that can cause to just live for the self because it means you're very lonely. So the Shemite mentality rises above that and says, what does God need today? I am his servant. I am his steward. I am his shepherd. What does he need from me today to make the whole world work? It's a very different mentality than what is my plan, what is my scheme, what do I need to get from other people to make myself happy. Those are two very different mentalities. So this is the line that God will promote all the way to Jesus. 
and he's got to do a lot of separating. <laughs> he's, he's, he's really trying to just foster this good seed. And um, to see the whole picture, I think, is, is really, really important because that's, that's the only way that we can be representatives of God, right? And oh my gosh, it's so... It's just such a different approach than what we're used to. So, but this is what, this is what God has in mind. This is why he, he promotes this line. Uh, Noah, a man of the soil. Does that remind you of Adam? Adam is a man of the soil. He doesn't come from heaven. <laughs> he doesn't come out of the water. He come, he's made from soil with water, with the holy water and with the holy breath, right? So I think it's just God's way of saying here, like, we're still working with humans here. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. And so when you have these, a vineyard in the Bible represents a culture. How do you tend to your needs, right? How do you how do you take care of things? Do you plant it well in good soil? Do you take care of it? Do you prune it? Do you trim off the, the excess so that um, the, the strong can flourish? Are you able to reap fruit from this, which can provide not just life, but joy? Um, wine represents joy but it can but taken out of moderation can become drunkardness and and that's an evil thing in in god's um eyes right so um we have to have all things in moderation um so sorry let me start again here 20 noah a man of the soil was the first to plant a vineyard a culture he's got these sons who are going to represent uh, different forms of being human, right? Of different mindsets, different cultures. So that's what it means. He planted a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, which is fine, and became drunk. So drunk. <laughs> some of the people listening to this know a lot about being drunk. Um, or seeing people be drunk. It can be very scary. It, it definitely shows that something is not in control of itself anymore. Some external force, i.e. too much wine, has taken control of the drinker. God doesn't want that. Nobody wants that. Um, but that's what's happened. And, and he's had an alteration of his mind mood it's a mood and mind altering drug and we have to be incredibly careful with it it mood and mind altering can be just fine until you take it too far and he lay uncovered in his tent so now he's out of control he's right um it's not a good look especially when you're the big kahuna and ham the father of canaan Whenever they, they name somebody like that, it's important. He, God's trying to have you see the connection here. So Canaan is this place. It's going to be the promised land, but it, it's, um, 
it is Israel as we know it today. It's the promised land, the place they fought for, to get to, to, to clear, to hold. It's wonderful, but not yet. <laughs> and, um, so Ham, the father of Canaan. Oh, okay, so Canaan is also going to be a, a person here next. Let me say that. Here, he, he, he's pointing out that uh, there is... Ham's going to have a child. So this might fill us in on a little bit of what's about to happen. Saw the nakedness of his father. The nakedness of your father in other places in the Bible refers directly to the nakedness of your mother. So um, one way to read this story, and to me, looking at all the various ways, this is the most accurate, is that um, Noah's passed out drunk. And Ham comes in and sees his mother in the tent and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it, and I think the, the idea is, what did Ham do in the tent, right? Did he rape his mother? possibly. And that might be where you got Canaan. So that's the theory. You don't have to keep that theory. There are others you can pick from. I'm just saying that's a theory <laughs> and it could be the right one. <laughs> um, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment laid it on both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Lowest of slaves shall, be he, shall he be to his brother. So if Ham has a son named Canaan, and Ham does this, why does Canaan get cursed? That's why people think that it was, that Ham took advantage of his, his father being um, absent, basically, because of his drunkenness, and took advantage of his mother, and it resulted in Canaan. And when Noah figures this out, it doesn't really say when he figures it out, but when he figures it out, he curses Canaan, which is just the reason, it's just the way of saying it's not him trying to be mean to a baby. That's like a very, um, it's just not the way the Bible speaks. It's like the way we think, but it's not, <laughs> it's not Noah trying to be mean to a baby. It's Noah saying the result of this kind of uh, monstrous situation is uh, terrible. It's a, it's a lowly result. Um, and then we'll see that all of these other things that come from him are lowly results. So, um, let's see. Where do we want to go with this? So, the beautiful thing here that happens is that Shem and Ham... They see what happened, what, what's going on in the tent, because Ham comes and tells them, hey, look, do you want to take advantage of this situation? And they say, oh my God, no. 
and they, they turn their backs, they walk backwards and cover their mother and, and maybe their father. It's not clear, but it, it is clear in other places in the Bible that covering the nakedness of your father means the nakedness of your mother. So um, he, they cover up the situation, they restore the dignity to this wicked scene. That's what's happening here. It's a beautiful thing. It, it gives them their good character. It, it gives them, it says that they don't have this mindset. Their mindset is not just what can I get from this situation, which is Ham's. It is how can I bring something better to a bad situation, which is God's. Their faces were turned away. They did not see their father's nakedness. They made an effort to protect the dignity of this situation. They saw how wrong it was. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his youngest son had done to what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of the slaves he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. So let Canaan work to be, to serve Shem, right? That's a good, that's a way of restoring order to, a, to an ugly situation. It will help Canaan if he serves Shem because he will be more like Shem. He will have more exposure to Shem, right? So this is God's rescue plan for this little situation that just happened in the tent. May God make a space for Japheth and let him live in the tents of Shem. So Japheth, may, may Japheth, Japheth expand and also rise up to the level of Shem and let Canaan be his slave. Do you see how beautiful that all is? And it's all indented in this way that lets us know that this is a little bit of Hebrew poetry. This story is really beautiful, even though it's so shocking and ugly and scandalous. It's really beautiful. And again, just like when we come out of the Garden of Eden with Cain and Abel, the first thing that happens is something really ugly. And that is just the wickedness of humanity. And God is aware. So he's constantly making rescue plans available and I feel like this is what happens with recovery he he made he took Bill and Bob and Ann and Lois and made a way for people they were sort of like Shemites right and they <laughs> could see above over the whole situation of addiction alcoholism and and they opened the rooms of 12-step programs God made a way God is in the center of those rooms the place of meeting and he um, makes a rescue plan and if you work like a slave for this good shepherd you can save yourself this is what's happening here in this little story it's beautiful. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years.
and then he died. That always makes me sad. <laughs> Every time somebody dies in the book, I get really sad. Because I get really attached to them. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I get really attached and I, I find so much beauty in their contribution. And everyone makes a contribution in this life. But what kind of contribution are you making? And I, I know that all of you out there are making good contributions. So uh, let's keep that up. You can hear the rain just kicked it up a notch. That's God on our rooftops providing for us. Thank you, God. And everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day. My friends, we'll see you soon. Bye, friends.